Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number six, and I want to give you just a little bit of a warning, if I may, of what I'm going to read. I don't want anybody to think that this, from this scripture that I'm going to preach or talk from a negative standpoint this morning. In fact, if you'll give me a moment, I won't backslide when I'm reading this scripture Give me a moment to explain it. I think you'll, you'll grasp where I'm going this morning. Start in verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted. Everybody say tasted. Tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers. That's basically denoting the same thing as tasting. It's were made partakers takers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted there that word is again the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify themselves the son of God afresh and put him to open shame I want to really direct your attention back to that verse 4 and really just a small portion of it. It says, and have tasted of the heavenly gift. And I want to use that as a subject here this morning. Tasted of the heavenly gift. Tasted of the heavenly gift. Let's lift up our hands and our voices unto the Lord and let's pray for his anointing, his blessing on the remainder of this service today. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word, which is anointed. And I pray, God, that you would allow it to be blessed to our hearts this morning. Anoint your servant as we speak today. Anoint the ears of every person in this place to receive not only be a hearer, but a doer also of the word of God. And I pray that you would move in this house. Touch us, God, and strengthen us in the name of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When I first read this passage of Scripture and got to that last verse that I read about how that they crucify the Lord afresh, I'm I'm supposing that some of you got a little bit nervous about that, thinking, does that mean that if I since I began walking with God and living for God and serving God, does that mean if I've ever made any mistakes or if I have ever failed in any way, does that mean there remains no more sacrifice for my sin? Does that mean that every time I do that, that I'm taking him back to Calvary? Well, I think it's important that you remember who this was written to in the first place. This is written to the Hebrews. We don't know exactly who the writer of the book of Hebrews is. We have a lot of 
supposition on that. But we do know that it is written to this group of people that had been accustomed for thousands of years, for some 1,500 years or more, of giving animal sacrifices for their sin. They had lived under the Old Testament plan that when they would fail, when they would sin, that a sacrifice that they would bring would be required. And this was periodically done by these people. And now the gospel of Jesus Christ has came to them. They've experienced New Testament salvation. They're living under a different, entirely different covenant, a better covenant, as the writer of Hebrews would explain to them. And in this better covenant that they are experiencing, they no longer have to go through the ritual. They no longer have to go back and perform or have a priest perform those sacrifices, uh, animal sacrifices, and the blood of those sacrifices would roll ahead their sin to another point in time. But that was no longer needed. But these people were having a difficult time with that when they were condemned because of their failures and their mistakes and their shortcomings. Then they were crossing back over and feeling like, well, maybe, maybe I could for sure take care of this if I would offer another sacrifice of animal's blood unto the Lord. And what the writer here is trying to proclaim to them is you have to have faith. You, you have to have a clear understanding and revelation of what has been done for you at Calvary's cross. And when Jesus went to the cross, it was a sacrifice that was once and for all. In other words, you don't have to go back to the ritual of animal sacrifices. You don't have to go back to the priest and have him perform a sacrifice for the sin of the people. But that has been taken care of because we have a high priest, amen, that was also the sacrificial lamb that is taking care of of all of that. So does everybody understand why that is written that way? Do you understand what the writer is saying? I don't want anybody to misunderstand or be discouraged and think that there remains no more grace for me. Now I'm well aware of the fact that we don't need to take advantage of the grace of God or to walk on or disrespect the grace of the mercies of God, but we need to be thankful every day that we do have the grace of the Lord, that when we fall, we don't have to stay down. When we make mistakes, that doesn't have to be the finality of it. But we can get back up again, and we can walk on serving the Lord in faith and know that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And if you're thankful for that, you ought to clap your hands to the Lord right now. Now, every healthy human being that is born is born with five physical senses. One of those senses is referred to several times right there in the text that I read to you this morning. But we all understand something about these five physical senses, and that is the fact that some of them require a deeper level of intimacy than, than others do. In fact, it could really be said that there's sort of a graduating degree of intimacy that goes along with these five physical senses. For instance, 
the sense of smell. You can smell something at a distance. We live in paper mill country. And uh, if the wind gets to blowing out of the north, you, you can smell uh, the paper mill here in Texarkana. Though it's many miles away in Ashdown, you can still smell it right here within the boundaries of this city several miles away. I've told you before that when I am fasting, I can walk out of my house in the morning off of Schilling Road and I can smell McDonald's down at I-30 in Summer Hill. But there's a lot of difference between smelling and actually tasting McDonald's. Would you agree with me? For years, my only experience with the Grand Canyon was was flying over it at 32,000 feet in a jet airplane. And uh, for years, we would drive through on I-40, but because of lack of funds or lack of time, we never did make the little two-hour jaunt up to where the Grand Canyon is and uh, really visit it. But a few years ago, I had the opportunity And can I tell you that it is majestic. It's awesome to see from 32,000 feet in the air on an airplane. It's impressive, but it is breathtaking when you actually stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon and look down at the depths of it. We can see things from a long ways off, but there's something about it. When you draw closer to it, you can see more details about it. And you can experience it in greater depths. Uh, Hearing is is much the same way. You can hear an airplane flying above. You can can hear a railroad uh, where a railroad crossing is from sometimes a long ways off. You can hear uh, the thunderous applause of of a crowd from a long ways off if it's an outdoor amphitheater or something like that, you can hear their applause or the roar of the crowd from a long ways off. Uh, You can hear from a distance. And then, and of course, touch, you know, it doesn't go quite as far. Uh, I got to be able to come over and, and actually to feel and to touch Brother Smith. I've got to draw a little closer. So you see the graduating degrees of intimacy that is involved here. But to taste something, that is the ultimate in experiencing. Uh, That is the most intimate level, if I could say it that way. Because you're actually ingesting. That's, That's coming as close as you possibly can. It requires nearness. To taste something is the ultimate in experiencing. And this is why the, the psalmist would make this proclamation. He said, taste and see, in Psalms 34 and 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't get to see and then taste, but taste and see before you can really see things as it should be. You've got to experience it. Amen. You've got to taste it. You, you cannot sit on the sidelines. You cannot window shop when it comes to worship. You, you cannot just observe when it comes to faith. 
you cannot really understand why it is that people get excited as they do this morning and why we're so thrilled and enthusiastic about our relationship with God and why we lift our hands and why sometimes we clap our hands and while at other times that people get excited and dance before the Lord or leap for joy or perhaps run the aisles. All of those things will not make sense to you if you just look at them and observe them. But if you come close and if you ever have the opportunity to taste, then you will see, then you will understand why we worship, why we shout, why we pray, why we seek God, why we proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Does anybody believe what I'm saying here this morning? Hallelujah. Praise God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It requires, it requires a closeness. You cannot evaluate Him properly just by looking or by just listening. You you can get some clues, you can get you can get some helps and you, you can get partial understanding, but you can't receive everything you need until you taste. You must taste and then you'll understand what you see and you hear and what you feel. And there's three things that the writer talks about here in chapter six. He said you must taste of the heavenly gift he talks about tasting of the good word of God. Is anybody, is anybody thankful for the good word of God? And the powers of the world to come. You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. And it's all in this heavenly gift. Once you've tasted of it, it gives you a, a context, as it were. Of everything that you see, everything that you hear, and everything that you feel. Notice he said in, in verse 4, tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you thankful that you, you can experience the Holy Ghost for yourself here this morning? I, I, I've heard about others' testimony Concerning the Holy Ghost, I've heard others talk about how wonderful the experience of the Holy Ghost is, and I've heard people exclaim how how that they they when they experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, it made them feel this way or that way. But I'm so thankful that I don't just have to take their word for it. Neither do you just have to take their word for it here this morning. But you too can experience this heavenly gift. And you too can experience the powers of the world to come through the Holy Ghost. You too can experience what it is to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. You too can come into this house and feel joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so Paul, Paul wrote about this this experience, this, this taste or this sampling, if you will, of this other world or the powers of the world to come. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's just a little taste of the powers of the world to come. And Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed. You heard the word of God in other words. It was preached to you. 
And just having it preached to you is no good to you if you don't believe it, if you don't receive it, if you don't apply it to your life. And so you believed and ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, everybody say earnest, earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and the praise of his glory. Unto the praise of his glory. We understand and we, we, we seem to got a, an understanding of the definition of what earnest means because we've been involved in, in contracts. We understand uh, what it is to sign a contract. Maybe you've sold something and, and you, you got earnest money as a result of that. Uh, you sell a piece of property. I've, I've sold property before and, and uh, there was promise money that was given or promise funds that were given. It was, uh, it was, sci- it was sort of a, an initiation of the contract process that in good faith this is money that I'm putting up and I'm going to give you, it's maybe worth several thousand dollars, but I'm going to give you a few hundred dollars. It's nothing in comparison with the full payment. It's nothing in comparison with the possession that is going to, that has been promised, that is going to come to fruition when finally the payoff day comes. But this is just in good faith that I'm going to follow through with this contract. This is in good faith. This is a down payment, in other words, and what is to come. This is just a little portion of the final payoff. Can I tell you that the Holy Ghost is a taste, just a little portion. It's just good faith in what is to come. It's a great and it's a glorious experience. And I'm so thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. And I could spend a lot of time, and I have spent a lot of time, preaching about the Holy Ghost and how that it will change your life. But I'm going to tell you, this is just a little bit of what you and I are going to receive when we get to our eternal reward. And what it is, it's a down payment to remind us that there is a payoff that's coming. And that if we'll continue to live for God, if we'll continue to serve God, and if we'll be faithful to God, that someday we're going to see Jesus. Someday we're going to get to be with him throughout all of eternity. And what we've experienced down here is just a little bit of what awaits us on the other side. As awesome as it is, he said it is the earnest of our inheritance. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of promise. It serves to remind us of what is to come. Everything, again, I'm thankful for it. Every time that we're renewed in the Holy Ghost, it's to help us and to remind us that I'm, I'm looking and living to go to another world. That someday, I've got a little experience of what it's going to be like, but, but this is just a little bit. Really, it's just a drop in the bucket of what is to come. This is just a little uh, good faith of what is to, to happen. Amen. When the final 
purchase is made, when the final payoff, in other words, is made, when I, when I get all of what the reward is to me for serving God, this is just a little bit, but oh, it's a reminder to me I need to stay faithful. It's a reminder to me that I need to stay committed. It's a reminder to me that I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. I made the right choice. When I came to an altar and gave my life to God, that wasn't a bad decision. That was the best decision that ever made in my life. When I come and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, amen, that, amen, is an awesome thing and a powerful thing and a good choice that I made. When He filled me with the Holy Ghost, He gives me a reminder that there's a greater reward that is coming that if I'll continue faithfully to serve the Lord, there's a payoff day and it's going to be worth it. Come on, let's clap our hands and give praise to Him right now. Every Holy Ghost church service where the power of God falls and the Spirit of the Lord moves and you're refreshed and you're revitalized and revived in your spirit. That's a reminder. Amen. That's why we need that often. That's why it's important that we not try to live on something way back there because we got as human beings the propensity uh, to forget or to forget how significant something is. You can have a great experience in your life here today. You can experience something wonderful. Uh, you, you know, we're here on the Christmas season. You, you, you can have the greatest Christmas that you've ever experienced in all your life. Get everything you put on your Christmas list and, and much more. And, and you could say, well, this is the best Christmas that I've ever had. And how many times have we heard people say things like that? This is the best day of my life. And I guess they really mean it. They're sincere about it. Up until that point, that is the greatest day of their life. And they feel that that is one of those moments. Uh, but, you know, a little time passes and, and another year goes by. And, and next Christmas, when next Christmas comes or the next birthday comes or the next moment comes along. Oh, this is the best day of my life. We, we got the tendency to live our lives that way. That's why we can never be too far away from a renewing and a refreshing in the Holy Ghost. That's why we got to go back to the well and drink deep of it again and experience the renewal and refreshing that comes through God's Spirit because it serves as an encouragement to us that I'm not living for this earth. I'm not living for this world. I'm not just living for what's down here. You see, if it's been too long and if it's an ancient memory to you, if it's something way back there in the past, you might have a hard time when temptation comes of pulling that up to an up-to-date experience. You might have a hard time reaching back and being inspired by that if it's been too long since you've been renewed in the Holy Ghost. But if you stay up-to-date, you stay fresh in your experience with God, you stay renewed and you're walking in the Holy Ghost day by day, 
day. Amen. You got that constant reminder. Amen. This is just the earnest. This is wonderful. This is joyful. This is peace. This is everything that I need. This is satisfying for my soul. Oh, what it must be like to go to heaven. What it must be like, amen, in eternity to be with Jesus. What it must be like to receive my heavenly reward. It serves as a reminder to us. You have somebody that's falling away, somebody that's getting involved with the things of the world, somebody's becoming carnal, somebody's growing cold, somebody's looking back, somebody that's interested in sin again suddenly, and uh, suddenly they're intrigued by the things of the world that they feel like they're missing out on. Uh, I'm going to tell you, we're not missing out on anything. Amen. What we need is a renewing and a refreshing in the Holy Ghost at that moment uh, to remind us again, uh, hey, I did make a good decision when I I chose to serve the Lord. I did make a good choice when I chose to receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is what I've always longed for and always wanted. And the best part is it's just a little bit of what is to come. Amen. The blessings and the reward that awaits me in heaven. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so in verse 14, he said, which is the earnest of our inheritance until, until. That's what keeps me going until the redemption of the purchased possession. Don't forget the payoff. Don't, don't forget the promise. Don't, don't forget the world to come. I want to read a passage here, and it's found in, well, if you're, if you're Donald Trump, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to read this passage. Before I do, I want to give you just a little, I want to, it's kind of written in code here, and I want to break it down so that you will understand what it's talking about. Chapter one of verse five or chapter five says, For we know, for we know that if our earthly house, and when it's talking about house, it's talking about your body. Earthly house of this tabernacle, again, when you see the word tabernacle, it's talking about a body. We're dissolved. We have a building of God and a house not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. Talking about a glorified body. For in this we groan. In this house that we're living in, there's times that we groan. There's times that there's burden. How many agree there's times when there's trials? Uh, there's things that are heavy on us. Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And when it's talking about being unclothed, it's being without a body. And when it's talking about being clothed, it's with a body. And so I, I hope I've broken down the code here a little bit. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed nor unclothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he that hath wrought us 
for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. There's that word again. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. As long as we're here on this earth, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yet, it says in verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. In other words, this, this body here, this earthly vessel that we live in, this earthly house, as the writer here says it, it has its limitations. We are burdened. We, we take on burdens of life. We have situations that we, it's almost overwhelming in this life. There's things that this body is susceptible to. There's things that this body has to undergo and has to put up with that thankfully, if we'll continue to walk by faith, someday we're going to receive a new body. And uh, someday uh, we're going to be able to live in a place that we're not limited with the same burdens and sorrows and trials that we experience down here. Paul is saying the earnest is meant to inspire you to be present with the Lord. What you're experiencing down here is just a little bit to inspire you that someday, though right now, amen, I've never experienced it on that level, but someday I'm going to get to experience him at a level of intimacy that I've never in my life experienced him. I'm going to get to see him face to face. I'm going to get to experience him in a way that I never have. And when you keep this in mind, you may have to bear burdens, but there's no burden that's so heavy. There's no care. There's no worry. There's no temptation. There is no problem. There's no trial that I cannot endure if I can just keep my focus and my mindset that I'm not living for this world. I'm not living for simply what's going on down here. There may be attacks down here. There may be things that I have to in this life go through. But someday I'm going to receive a heavenly reward. Someday I'm going to get to be with Jesus. And everything that I experience here is just a drop in the bucket to what I experience when I get to be with Jesus forever and ever. Oh, every blessing, every outpouring of His Spirit, every time, amen, that He renews me, that's just a little reminder. Someday I'm going home. Someday I'm going to be with Jesus. Someday eastern skies are going to part. Someday the archangel's going to shout. Someday the trumpet's going to sound. And there's going to be the catching away of a church. I'm looking forward to that day. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord right now. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's give a little bit more praise to the Lord today. Praise God. Now, I'm going to drill down here a little deeper. And I hope you'll, you'll ride with me here because I don't want to shake anybody up theologically, but I'm just going to tell you it's in the book. If you study the book, you'll find it here. Numbers chapter 13. The Bible says that 
those spies went over into the promised land. Now, I know that that's not a perfect type of heaven. Matter of fact, I think that really the promised land is better typed as the church. But for the sake of this message, it was a promise that was to come and that God wanted to fulfill in their lives. And it was something that they had looked for for a long period of time. For generations, they had looked forward to it. Uh, they, they knew that after their deliverance from Egypt that this was something that God wanted to bring them into. It was not the will of God that there be a long span between them being brought out until they were brought in to the promise. And can I tell you, it's still the same way today. It's not the will of God that we have a long span of time in between repentance and in between water baptism and somebody receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that's another message for another time. Uh, but what I am telling you today, this was something they had looked forward to. It was something that was, it's called the promised land. And this is something they had heard about and had been told to them that was going to occur and it was going to happen. It was theirs for the possession. And so they, they were just to go over. And so there was... There was a river that stood between them and the promised land. And there was 12 representatives of the tribes of Israel that were sent over that Jordan to go into the promised land and see and spy out the land, see if it's like what we've been told. And they came back, and the Bible says that they not only come with a message that it was exactly like they had been told it was, that it was a land that flowed with milk and honey, there was a land that had a lush land, a, a land that was, it was beautiful and, and well, fertile land. But when they came back, they had a cluster. And if you read in verse 23 there, it says that that cluster was so great that there was two men that carried it. And that cluster was on a staff between those two men. And, and it was such a large cluster of grapes. And they were bringing that. The Bible says as a witness that what they had heard all of this time was the truth. This is fruit of the land. This is proof that is exactly like it has been told us. And even greater. I, I can't even go into it. But there are giants in the land. And there are walled cities. There are the sons of Anak. There are enemies. There are some things over there that we're going to. There's going to be a conflict to us. They're going to resist us. But as far as the fruit of the land, it's here. These were a great big cluster of grapes. And it was not, not something that they were just to be. Well, I could say it this way. It wasn't meant for them to consume those grapes and forget about it. But this was to serve as inspiration to their faith. That it's just what the message that was given to us. It's a true message. It's in fact right. And we need to go possess it. It's just like they told us it was. We need to go over and cross over into that land. And possess our promise. That's what the cluster was all about. But I want to ask you a question. What happened to those grapes? Well I got my theory. I think they ate them. That's what I think happened to those grapes. They ate them. But you know what? That was not meant for food, for their sustenance. That was meant to fuel their faith. 
to stand up and say, because really when you think about one cluster of grapes, it may have been great big old cluster of grapes, but that's three million people that had to partake of that. That's three million people that had to be fed. So it wasn't going to last. It wasn't going to supply for them for very long. It wasn't going to, but just a few of them, they, they, everybody couldn't partake of it. Everybody couldn't taste of it. It was just something a little bit. It was an earnest, if you will. It was just a little drop in the bucket of what you can have and what you can possess and what you can experience if you'll just step out in faith, if you'll just follow God at this point. This is a pivotal moment. Don't quit. Don't be tempted to doubt. Don't be tempted to let unbelief creep in. Don't be tempted to look at giants and obstacles and say, well, I can't do it. I have to give up. I have to retreat. I have to throw in the towel. Don't do that right now. Don't shrink back in faith. But have faith to believe that God that brought you this far will bring you over into the promised land. And it's just as wonderful. I want to tell every saint of God, this is no time to quit, my brother. It's time to hold on. Because everything you've heard, everything that's been promised to you, it's just like the book says it is. It's just as wonderful. It's just as great. And we're almost to the end. And the God that brought you this far will bring you the rest of the way. Oh, somebody clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. Woo! Man, I kind of feel like preaching here this morning. Yeah, I just kind of feel like reminding somebody it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, blessed day. It's going to be worth every long mile, every heartache and every trial. It's going to be worth it all. I said it's going to be worth it all. That's what you need to look and point your finger at your trial and say, that's what you need to do when your accuser comes around. That's what you need to do when temptation comes your way is say, you know, if I say no now... It's going to be worth it then. It's going to be worth it then. It's going to be worth it then. Yes. Oh, yes. Come on, let's cup our hands and give a little praise to the Lord. Woo. First Corinthians 15 and 19, it says, if in this life, we, we quote this scripture all the time. If, if in this life only we have hope. Do you know we quote that scripture wrong? I know. Don't throw any tomatoes up here just yet. If in this life only we have hope, we usually just go right on and say, we are of all men most miserable. Isn't that how we usually... Bible said if in this life in Christ if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most miserable let me put perspective on that if your faith never reaches a level beyond this earth if it's only in this life and your experience never looks beyond this life and you're just living for today. And you're just living for what you can get down here. I'm going to tell you, that's not what the Holy Ghost is for. 
This Holy Ghost is to seal you for the day of redemption. This Holy Ghost is a little taste to get you to heaven. This you're not to you're a pilgrim. You're a sojourner. Amen. You're not to plant roots here. You're not to put out stakes here. But but if you have hope in this life, even if it's in Christ, you say, Well, I just like things like they are. I'm gonna tell you every church service we have, it's not just for us to feel good down here. It's because we're preparing. We're getting ready. We're in the dressing room, if you will. We're getting prepared for another world that is to come. And I believe it's coming soon. Amen. There's a transition that is going to take place. And I want to be ready. I want to be saved when that day arrives. Amen. I love great church. I love the blessings of God on earth. I, I love the goodness of the Lord here. But I'm still looking for a greater glory. A greater reward. A greater promise. Can I say a hope beyond this world. Amen. Hallelujah. I hear people testify and say, Oh, thank the Lord that the Lord gave me the Holy Ghost to strengthen me another week. To make it another week. To make it to next Sunday. I'm going to tell you that's not why he gave you the Holy Ghost. So you can just make it to next Sunday. Oh, no, that's, that, this is far more powerful than that. You, you stay renewed in this Holy Ghost. You stay refreshed in this Holy Ghost. This thing's going to carry you all the way to glory. This thing's going to carry you all the way out of this world. 1 Corinthians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope. Christ, that's what the Spirit of God is. It's Christ in me, the hope, the hope. Amen. Don't forget about the hope. Don't forget someday. We're not living for this life. We may accumulate things in this life, but that's not what it's all about. Someday we're going home to be with Jesus. Someday we got a hope beyond this world. It's a hope of glory. It's not Christ in you, the hope for this week. It's not Christ in you, the hope for this month. It's not Christ in you, the hope until next Sunday. It's the hope of glory. Amen. Once you've tasted of the world to come, you will not be satisfied with the substitutes of sin, with the things of this world can't be satisfied. Sin doesn't seem to satisfy like maybe it used to. Once you've experienced the powers of the world to come. Once you've ever experienced and partaken and tasted of what is to come. You don't live for this anymore. This, this, this is just everything, you know, just, just falls. It's flat. It doesn't have anything to it. It doesn't last but you'll long for a world to come. Come on, I'm talking about a world that is free from terror and war. A world where our children go to school and they're not shot at. A world where people dwell in peace. A world absent of pain, heartache, and sorrow. A world that no one takes the name of the Lord in vain. A world where there's no more greed. A world where children are not aborted. And, and, and a world, amen, where there's no more broken family. A world where there's no stress or there's no pressure. I'm talking about a world, amen, that we're going to that is beyond anything that we can comprehend. 
we can't compare what we have here to that but we got a little taste of it we got a little taste of it the peace that you feel when the Holy Ghost came the joy that you feel when the Holy Ghost came the happiness and the satisfaction for your soul that you felt when the Holy Ghost came I'm just going to tell you that's just a little bit of what it's going to be like when you see Jesus somebody ought to thank the Lord for it Hebrews chapter 11. This is a scripture that's been read a lot here lately. And I'm still feasting on that great message from Wednesday night that Brother Weeks preached. It said, These all died in the faith, verse 13, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a city. They're not ashamed of it. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. I'm talking about the powers of the world to come. Amen. Paul wrote about in Colossians 3 and 2. He said, set your affections not on things down here, but set your affection on things above and not on things on this earth. Is that what he said? Don't set your affections. It's all right to have goals. It's all right to want to accomplish things. But remember the most thing, the thing that you're most passionate about and the thing that, you're, that grabs a hold of your affection is not the things that are down here. Oh, but the things that are above. I'm striving to go to heaven. I'm striving to see Jesus. Someday I want to be with the Lord. I've tasted of the powers of the world to come. Would you stand with me right now? And let's lift up our hands to the Lord and give Him praise together. Yes. Come on, if you really get a hold of what I'm talking about. Backslide is not an option. An opportunity to look back is not something what you're looking for. Amen. To quit, that's not an option. To give up, that's not an option. Amen. I've got power in me of a world to come. John the Revelator wrote about it in Revelation chapter 21. He said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there were no more sea was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven out of coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Note this, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. All tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. 
For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. In other words, they're guaranteed. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto, unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. I'm telling you, we got something to run with today. We got something to run on with today. Everybody will be happy. You know, we sing that, that song. Everybody will be happy. We'll be happy over there. Mothers, fathers, sisters, daughters, everybody will be happy over there. I just feel like somebody ought to be encouraged in their faith this morning. Somebody needs to get inspired in their faith this morning. Somebody needs to get a renewing in the Holy Ghost to remind you that I'm looking for a reward that is beyond this world. I'm not just living for this life and what's down here. I'm not living for the temporal things that are here that the Bible says that moth and dust is going to destroy. But I'm looking for another world. I'm looking for a heavenly reward. Amen. Why don't you come to this altar, one and all. Let's come down to this front, lift up our hands and be reminded once again that there's something that we're living for, something that we're striving for, something that we're looking to take place.